You've entered the Kill Zone. The Kill Zone. Frontline Gaming presents the Kill Zone Podcast. Real talk for competitive Kill Team 40K tactics, tactics. Strategy. strategy, and news you need to know from some of today's top players. Tune in every other week for brand new episodes of the Kill Zone Podcast. You're listening to the Killzone Podcast on the Frontline Gaming Network. Buy a mat in the link in the description. This podcast is your home for real talk for competitive kill team. My name's Chris. Some folks call me Birinid, and I'm joined by Emmanuel Mitsunikos from Strategic Advantage on YouTube. You should go subscribe right now. We've got a great show coming up. Speaking of real talk for competition, we've got a doozy of an episode for you. Today we're talking about the new Critical Ops 2022 product from Games Workshop that poised to forever change the core of tournament play as we know it. New missions, new rules, new tack ops. We're diving into what you need to know to start winning games in this brave new world. So stay tuned because all that is coming your way after we pay some bills with these messages. No time for Mooney the Monkey today. Let's hop into what we have to say. Yep, if you're into all the bits and bobs available from popgoesmonkey.com, there has never been a better time to dive in. From great upgrade kits for Horse Heresy and 40k, and full models like the Automari Militia and Automarian Guard, the shirts, hats, and other faction swag, now through the end of the year, on popgoesmonkey.com, just enter Santa Sack 22 at checkout to get free shipping on orders over $100. That's awesome. And international fans of the show at the shop uh, get an empty discount on that international shipping with this code as well. I think I'll use a code to pick up another one of the beer cooler squigs and the seasonal Oktoberfest model Swill Agams. Uh, he's available until the end of the year, so I need to snatch him up quick. He'll look great next to this year's Golf Rocka from Gabe's Workshop. Hey, yep, yeah, but for whatever your heart desires, head to popgoesamonkey.com to pick up some stuff for you or for a friend or a family member as a gift this holiday season. Just enter Santa Sack, S A N T A S A C K. Santa Sack 22, all one word, all together, at checkout for free shipping. Works as a discount on international shipping, too. Thanks again to Pop Goes the Monkey for supporting the podcast. Thanks, Pop. Well, here we are. Real talk for Competitive Kill Team, and here's something, uh, an episode that, you know, is, is going to have something right up that alley, right? You could say that this is real competitive material that we need to talk on. Yes. Wow, that sounded much better in my head. <laughs> we're, we're good at segways. We are professionals. Uh, yes, yes, you could say that. But um, yeah, I'm excited for this. And it, it's so great to have my whole new team. Um, I've yet to play a tournament with this team. I've played games with the new the new uh, Freebooter Orcs, but I haven't played a tournament with it yet. So it's like I get to christen them in tournament scene with a whole new match play stuff. But speaking of that new kit i got some fun hobby for you it involves lights it involves music and involves a new carrying case for that team um good i've experimented with plastic card i failed my experiment with plastic card but i learned a lot (laughs) basically what i what i want to do i i use those uh those table war cases um Mm. i'm a huge fan of these table war cases they look they have like the black vinyl outside and they have a clear uh, clear acrylic um, in the front so you can actually see the models inside. 
And I've always liked those carrying cases. Early, early on, I used like those foam cases. And um, I didn't like that I couldn't admire my models. And I didn't like that if they were just sitting on the table, people can't like come by and look and see what it is. It's just like a bag, a backpack kind of thing. It's very mm -hmm. unassuming. So I went off the deep end and I went to the other end of the uh, spectrum and I got um, a full acrylic case. Uh, they're based, I think, out of Santa Monica. Um, they're mm -hmm. called Crystal Fortress, and um, a guy who mm -hmm. I used to play Kill Team with a lot, um, he was one of the hosts from the Knights Cast, that old podcast, uh, Will, he had them, and they look great. It's like this full acrylic, all clear acrylic, and it has magnetic spots and slots for all your models. It looks great. Um, I loved that case to death until SCO of 2019, when I sat on it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I remember right right before I got started in the final game uh, against uh, Michael Holy, I uh, I had taken all my models out. Thankfully, they were all out. I had already gotten them all out, and I go to sit down. I sat on the lid, and it just shattered. And I was like, "Well, that's not very protective, is it?" So I, I did some searching, did some searching, and I came across Table War, and I have all their sizes at this point. Uh, they're not a sponsor for this podcast, but um, I, uh, I I really like them. They're they're great cases. They're not they're not cheap, but they're not super expensive. They have the slide out drawers that you can um, put a magnetic sheet on. And my project over COVID was getting all of my Kill Team twenty nineteen uh, twenty eighteen models all in um, one case and calling it my small walk. And I played, I, I lit it up with colorful LEDs that would respond to sound. And I put a speaker in the bottom that would play a metal version of It's a Small World from Disneyland. Um, so, and I had a, a proximity, uh, an uh, infrared proximity sender on the, the lid. So when you opened up the lid, all the music came on, the lights started flashing and it, it was great. Wow. Um, I wanted to recreate a little bit of that for this team because I just love this, uh, the Pop Goes the Monkey Freebooters team. It's just so unique and so neat. So um, in the small case, the one that's kind of travel size, not like the big, big, big giant one that I was using for that other project, um, I got this LED changing light bar, but it's a neat one that's like a 90 degree arc. So it tucks back into the back corner and it lights under the shelf, but also hmm. back into the back behind it. And I have that awesome um, Tabletop Tools 3D um, custom uh, slotted uh, tray that has the Into the Dark-ish kind of floor on mm -hmm. it where all my models are in uh, that uh, Tim and Whopper had uh, put together for me. But it looked a little naked in the case on its own with just the light. And I have the um, Dawn of War 1 orc music playing when the... The here we go, wah, kind of stuff. It's 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 nice and ugh, it's so cool. But it looked a little naked. So I was going to build into the dark walls out of plastic card. But mm. they looked so bare. Like I need to spend like days and days and weeks and weeks and weeks adding greebles and adding guitar strings and adding all the different things to actually make them look good. They just looked like very sterile, boring walls after I had put like a ton of effort into them. So... I abandoned that for now, and I've built some risers in the back that are magnetic, so that way they kind of click to the case, so um, I can remove them if I need to, that I have um, Octarius terrain that I, I painted up and I damaged and kind of weathered and all that stuff to put behind them to kind of give them a backdrop, so that way the light kind of shines and reflects off of it from the metallics in it. So 
Um, it looks really, really cool. Um, this, all of this effort, um, including adding a bunch of checker marks, checker patterns and all that all over my orcs is my final push to try and get a full 100 points in uh, Dakota's uh, squad games uh, uh, scoring rubric. Um, I'm really pushing to try and get number one for hobby track. I don't know if I'll maintain it if I don't go to LVO and I'm hoping I can. We'll see if I can. But I know at least until then, if I get a good score at this next tournament that he has coming up at Darkside Games on the 17th, um, I should hit number one. And I'm super excited to awesome. see if I got did enough work to get all those points. But oh, yeah, that's been my <laughs> hobby. Yeah, man, um, that's above and beyond. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I, I, I like that because it. I remember so many times, especially when Kill Team was early on, um, that people would just come to the shop and just see the models and cases and be like, oh, those are cool. What are they? And that really inspires people to ask questions. That would happen yeah. at SEO as well. Um, people would just come by the tables. What game is this? Oh, this looks great. Um, yeah. Especially because kill teams tend to be more unique and stand out a little bit more than 40K teams. A lot of stuff gets lost in those big boards, unfortunately. But on a smaller board where you only have 10 to 14 models at most, um, you can spend a lot of time to make them look unique and give them a lot of character. And yeah. this this Freebooters team definitely is oozing oozing that so i wanted to give them a display case and a showpiece that uh really complements them so it was it's been a fun project i'm gonna keep working on the plastic card um to try and build that up to make it look like into the dark walls but um i think that's gonna be a long process i'm gonna have to do a lot more learning and a lot more experimenting than i have time for right now so still gonna crack away at that but not that <laughs> won't be ready anytime soon as well, it hey, has been for you, bud. Before January, uh, it's yeah. it's been okay. I don't have any hobby to report, man. It's been a, mm. you know, with the holidays and everything, crazy times. Like my uh, younger son broke his nose at school this week. Like, just why do you do that? Doing some, some <laughs> doing something I've told him not to do a thousand times, which is balancing on a chair that's like not with the, oh, all the legs on the ground. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, stuff like that. Just been, you know, staying busy yeah. as always. My but, buddy uh, I mean, Alex, you know him. Uh, he has uh, a very funny story about balancing on a chair. Uh, you should ask him. I'm not going to say it on a recorded line right here, but you should ask, oh, uh -oh. ask him about that next time you see <laughs> okay. him. Yeah, it's uh, a very I'm funny I'm intrigued. Story. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but I mean, it works out for the best because uh, there's just so much to cover today, right? Like we've mm -hmm. got new products. Uh, yeah. New Critical of Kill Team. Operations 2022. Yes. I don't... I don't know if it actually is coined 2022, but we're going to call it 2022. Um, yeah. Because I don't have the box in front of me. I just have the cards. The box is somewhere else. But um, do you have the box by you? Yeah, it's Critical Ops, Attack Ops, and Missions Card Pack. Mm -hmm. So, very interesting. Not a book. Yeah. Right? This isn't... Uh, book. I mean, yeah. if you go back and listen... I referenced this before, but if you go back and... Uh, listen to old night, old night's cast um, episodes. I think there was one where Ben says Emmanuel's talking about this Warcry game and how Warcry's got cards that, and that would be such a great thing for Kill Team to randomly generate missions and all that kind of stuff. I think he's got a good idea there. Fast forward, what, four years and we finally get something like that for Kill Team? I've been clamoring for something like this, and it's not exactly Warcry. Um, yeah. For folks that don't know the difference, um, Warcry is the victory 
the victory, um, the win condition, so the victory points, um, the actual map layout, as well as a twist that you would draw from. It's not that. This card pack can be played randomly, but won't won't likely see that type of play in match play. What this is, is very akin to what we had in the core manual. Mm-hmm. But in my opinion, and I think Chris will echo this, better. It's yeah. refined, it's distilled, and I think improved a lot over what that core book had. What, what's your initial hot take? My hot take is it harkens back to last edition um, in that. So last edition, um, we got a core book that had missions in it and said, hey, this, mm-hmm. is, this is the game of, of Kill Team. And we mm-hmm. played this and there were certain missions that were just bad. Um, you know, no, oh, yeah. no punches pulled were, were not fit for anything other than um, the narrative kind of thing that, you know, you would play. And in fact, even some of those not fun, you know, not lending themselves to narrative because it's like, oh, one side is is this and and, and right. at a disadvantage and this other one's going to come. But within like a month or two, Nova had happened and we got a competitive pack that completely mm-hmm. changed the way we played this game forever. Right. And, you know, hey, new edition comes out and we're waiting. We're like, hey, where is this competitive pack? Is there going to be Nova <laughs> releasing a thing? And then no, it's like everybody is doing these core book missions that history is repeating itself are not good, right? Not yeah. all of them. There were some that yeah. were just like, should not Th- play. That's exactly what I was going to say. The, there are a handful, maybe three to six. Um, six might be pushing it. Um, wait, I think there's, yeah, there's nine of them total. I mean, maybe three to five that mm-hmm. um i think are great um yeah. but there are ones like you're saying that are not so much right, right. and as uh, a new to you could get trapped in accidentally doing secure archaeotech at your right <laughs> at your tournament right instead of doing seize ground domination loot and salvage like the ones that mm-hmm. are more regularly embraced as the ones to go to not the problem anymore this right. card pack pretty much i mean I mean, we, we should probably just give like a overview of what's in here and then break down sure. each one. What do you think? So yeah, this card pack absolutely. has... Um, it's got cards. It's got cards. tarot side cards, yeah. right? Like, that That's important to say as well. Um, yeah. th- they're a tarot ca- uh, card, which is longer than MTG or just standard playing yeah. card size, um, which helps put a lot of this information on there, especially when you hear that the whole pregame sequence is on there on a nice little mm-hmm. foldout, which is nice. And there are some changes to that. So that's important. Right. We'll walk through those. Um, the um, styles that you could set up a game, the style or the styles that you could pick your tack ops are in there. Yes. There's a very, it's very clear which ones they intend to be the, the majority of your games or the majority of tournaments probably should be this way. But they have mm-hmm. some variety in there, just in case you want to have sure. a spicy time with it. Um, missions, only three. Right. Maps, these are not terrain suggestions, but I think that's good. We'll talk about that right. more. It's layouts, and it's like you can use multiple layouts for any of these. Like exactly. You can mix and match, yeah. Yeah, Very they're cool. not prescribed. This is the loot and salvage one like we used to right. have, right? Yeah. Um, and then new archetypes um new six new most of them are new or parallel to um yes. ones that we've already had but six for infiltration seek and destroy security and recon so 
same names. So all the fire teams and kill teams that are before that say you could draw from security or recon. Like you, that applies to all this. None, none yes. of that has to get rewritten. But we'll, we'll go through these and kind of give our impressions. But that that's what's in here. And I think that's yeah. pretty rad. And then there's also, you know, some other little changes, you know, to the, the game itself, like the uh, the way that you're going to be playing it and stuff like that. Like Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. And we'll, we'll cover all this. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of setting up, uh, talking about this, let's talk about how the pregame sequence um, is now. Sure. So you still roll off for attacker and defender. I mean, the first five bullet points, just like in the book, you can ignore it. Just like, hey. Choose your mission. Set up the mission, right? But yeah. um, def- you still roll off for attacker, defender. Defender still selects your drop zone. But here's the thing: deployment is not the same. This, I, I think, out of everything, this is probably the most massive change. Deployment is in thirds, so you do your best to separate your six models or twelve models, whatever you have, into thirds. If you have anyone to forward deploy or to go into hiding like Wormblade, you have to declare it now before it's your turn to actually do your deployment, right? Mm -hmm. So your attacker, defender, you both separate your stuff into thirds, decide at that point if you're going to forward deploy or not, and then starting with defender, you deploy one of your thirds. Mm -hmm. Then the attacker deploys one of their thirds. Back and forth. So it's not pure back, forth, back, forth. It's in thirds. And here's why this is so cool. Because in last edition, we had alternating deployments. Yes. And horde armies always had the advantage. Mm -hmm. Because horde armies would just deploy grots and boys until the elite army was done with their deployment. And then all the knobs and flash kits would come out because everyone was playing orcs last edition, right? Yeah. Just me? Just me? But anyway, you you see what I mean, right? So this I mean, it worked cool... for 14 shield drones and two or three rails or whatever, too. Right? Exactly. Just like shield drone, shield drone, shield drone. And then, boom, here's a big gun that's totally countered this six-man space marine team. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So now it's in thirds. So attacker will still have an advantage at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the defender, number one, already knows if the attacker is going to try and forward deploy. Um, number two, the defender can do some counter deployment kind of stuff. And number right. three, the defender did get an advantage by selecting their side. So it's only fair that the yes. attacker does maintain an advantage. So um, this fixes a big issue that a lot of players had since the dawn of this edition where defender was always at a big disadvantage. Yes. Yeah, I, 100%. And I, I was one of those barking up that tree. That there mm-hmm. was just no upside on a lot of these things. You know, other than like picking, like, like you said, picking... Um, the DZ, the issue was, is that for a while there, and, and I mean, still to this day, there are setups where you'll go to a tournament and it was mirrored uh, terrain. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. like, pff, you know, just like, oh man. Okay. So the, at that point, there was the entire ethos of mm-hmm. what this had been designed around was just thrown out right. the window. And they, right. they've realized this, oh, you know, people are going to do stuff with terrain that they have. And, right. uh, you know, they've, they've allowed us to uh, work around that now so Absolutely. it's much more balanced i feel in the inherent mm-hmm. um narrative element that this game is trying to implement of attacker and defender uh yeah. so it's like either side now i feel good about being yeah and just to round out because we're kind of skipping ahead in the sequence to sure. round that out just as far as the attacker defender changes now the attacker has to resolve their scouting option first before it was the defender 
would yes. resolve their scouting option first. But the attacker still chooses who has initiative if there's a tie on the scouting phase. Yeah. So it, it seems like a little bit of that, a little bit has been taken away from attacker in order to make things more or less closer to equivalent, whether you're attacker or defender. So I, I like all these changes. I do too. And and with elites seeming to be coming into the, the fold mm-hmm. a lot and, and being seen more, you know, there's a reason to have the other guy go first and stuff oh, because yeah. you, you know, you're wanting them to maybe burn mm-hmm. an activation or something. So it's mm-hmm. like this game is coming full circle right now Absolutely. Uh, and getting to a very good place. So if we trickle down the sequence, you select your kill team. Cool. Uh, select tack ops. It's explicitly two things. You choose which ones you want in the match play sequence. It's very clear that they intend that it's free choice from the deck of six that you construct. Mm-hmm. And that deck of six is limited to one faction tack off. Yes. That is insignificant for some teams. Massive for other right. teams. I say to the Pathfinder player. I, it, absolutely. <laughs> because I mean, there's games where I'm stacking all three. Uh, exactly. before this right in right. uh, free choice which we do i i think most people that play tournaments on a regular basis kind of do come and say you know that they do think free choice is the way to go mm-hmm. um, but this is a big change to that and we are going to notice some power level shifts in that mm-hmm. because some were already doing these or or maybe what's the analog you know for their their archetype might have gotten better or more competitive for their team where mm-hmm. others that were established you know bad boys of the yard Maybe they're losing a couple steps here. So super interesting, like pseudo almost balance patch, right? And and thinking about, oh yeah, that's a great point. Like it's it's definitely something to kind of take into consideration, especially when we see balance patches coming out, like right around the time of this. Um, we're recording this on the eighth, um, releasing on Monday. So we're recording this a little early. So I have no idea if there's a balance patch going to come out. So I don't want to put my foot in my mouth um if for some reason games workshop releases something on the morning on the night it's like here's the next balance patch right right so um just so if i it sounds like i'm completely naive to the news of kill team that's why but um whatever balance patch comes out whenever that does come out um it's important to take into consideration that whatever changes are in there are probably also intended to reflect what they expect might happen with certain teams with mm-hmm. these new ploys and with the restriction or no, sorry ploys tac ops sorry tac ops uh, yeah. with the new tac ops and, and with the faction tac op restriction as well um i also think like trying to rent space in the designer's brain right now it's probably a better game to balance or an easier game to balance when you know that you're limiting to one faction tack op instead mm-hmm. of they could take anywhere from nine tack ops um, if they take security and potentially right. their faction, right? So it might it might be also intended to try and help rein in the task of balancing the game as well. But yeah. um, I, I, I think it's a good change. Um, I do too. Yeah. And I also think that it's kind of like, if you look at the bespoke teams that have come out, pretty much everybody has a good choice somewhere in their, in their uh, mm-hmm. bespoke options, right? Some also yeah. had three. Yeah. Um, some, you know, so it's like, eh, that kind of power level disparity is, is a thing. And so like this, I don't know, like I keep saying, it's almost like a balance patch or something it, in a way. It is. It's funny. It's clearly, it's clear that they've been working on this for a while. 
And mm-hmm. you could see in a lot of the more recent teams, like if you listen back to a lot of our other faction breakdowns, how many times we said, oh, this would be a good one if you're going up against elites. Oh, this mm-hmm. would be a good one if you're going up against the hordes. Like, oh, this is very map dependent. It seemed like each of the tack ops were conditional, the faction yes. tack ops, right? They seemed like they were conditional. Now we know why, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was always kind of gearing towards, hey, we're going to limit you to one. So we're going to give you three choices that are not always, you're not always going to want to take all three of these. Ah, guess what? Because you can't. Right. But um, but there's there's going to be one that will probably be good for you if you want to take a faction tack up. So it, it's, yeah. it's interesting to see where things are, we're kind of like heading towards, since this is obviously something that they didn't just put together a week ago, right? <laughs> right. And it's like I was saying at the start of this, how, you know, with last edition, when we started getting competitive pack stuff, it was like, oh, this is how we're supposed to be playing the game. You know, and, and mm-hmm. that's kind of mm-hmm. you know a lot of it was designed like by the guy who was also designing things for that you know what i mean at at the time uh Correct. The, the guy who made that pack you know was was in the design process so it's kind of like you know mm-hmm. this is very similar it feels like yeah. it's like oh things make sense now right it's starting to click shadow vaults coming so early starts to make sense it's like <laughs> oh they were clearing some space for this release interesting mm-hmm. um and that presumptive presumptively i i know what what's happening at the warehouses there um but to rapid fire the rest of the pregame sequence because we have so much to go into um barricades are a little different in two ways um still the placement is very much the same except much like an itd you can't stack them very close to each other so they have to be circle or two inches away from each other Mm -hmm. um good change there i i definitely am guilty of (laughs) cramming a ton of barricades just to create a bottleneck so uh, it's a good change to re- remove that negative interaction but also in the fortify scouting option you could put a barricade on a vantage point Ooh, i missed that yeah, mm, yeah so you spicy. could put a very you could put a barricade on a vantage point infiltrate is unchanged so oh, that's the flipping orders that's and... right it's for the one that if you've chosen to put it down now as scouting that As, one. yeah yeah fortifying oh, okay, the scouting yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what i was saying so yeah. your two original ones those have to be on the ground level that cannot yes. be on any terrain other than insignificant um but um your fortify your scouting option barricade that can be on a vantage point which is incredibly massive right mm-hmm. um the infiltrate is completely unchanged that's the order flip and recon is a dash but you get the fly keyword for that dash so if Sick. you're right next to a vantage point, you're not going to have to worry about climbing to get up to that. So suddenly mm-hmm. now I'm thinking, okay, well, there's sometimes I just give someone a climbing rope just so that way they can make that dash or that early game, that, that dash in the beginning of the game to get to a vantage point that's close to my DZ. Mm-hmm. Um, I might not give them that climbing rope now. I might save that um, EP for something else. So um, definitely a, a, an interesting change right there. Um, and then the yep. final thing, not new, but still here, battle ready to VP at the end of the game. So it seems that what, and this is how Dakota's been doing his tournaments here locally. He's um, he's definitely been going up to 20 points, but that's not common. I see most tournaments going up to 18 points maximum, the 12 plus six. But he's been doing that because he's also a very strong proponent of the hobby. He's He loves the hobby of the game and he wants to, help promote that and by adding two points for a battle ready team that's that's part of how he wants to do that seems like they're posturing that hey no we we really mean it 
makes sense for GW. They also sell the mm-hmm. stuff that's part of the hobby. So of course they're yeah. gonna want you to paint, but um, that's still part of this. So rules is written to VP per battle ready. Yeah. Technically um, the the uh, the other thing, one more big change on this is the uh, four CP now in turn one. Um, oh, oh, yeah. I missed that. Yeah. Blimey. So you'll start with three, and then as it kicks over to turn one. That's right. Yes. Yes. Gets, yeah, I yeah. did see that. Yeah. 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 I, I completely glanced over that in my notes, but yes, you're right. It's so impactful for mm-hmm. these some of these things that are that are going on. You know. Oh. It's like your head just starts to spin, like with possibility. Well, because we're so used to in the competitive scene that um, on the math, the um, the budget that we give ourselves for our um, CP for factions that have a good ploy that they need to have available whenever they need it. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm speaking very much about just a scratch, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. I need to make sure I have a CP available for just a scratch until all shooting attacks and melee attacks are done. And I'm not mm-hmm. worried about losing wounds anymore then I can go down to zero CP if I didn't actually spend just a scratch, right? Yeah. Um, that restricts me in what I can do pre-game. But now I could do two forward scouting, uh, two forward deploys if I want to. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about spending that extra CP because I'm free to do that. I don't have to worry about, do I do a forward deploy? Um, and do I do my, my strat phase dash, the shh tactic? Mm-hmm. um is that gonna let me do a daca daca round like it just one cp is mind-blowingly massive for uh for commandos alone so right. um I, I i can see how how big that is for for um for anyone else and and that's just for me budgeting for one mm-hmm. tack ploy that i need to make sure i always have like imagine if you have multiple tack ploys that you're always going to be wanting to fire off i'm just budgeting for yeah. one to make sure i have enough for one and my mind, blew, my mind blows up on that. It's so so impactful, man. Like you look mm-hmm. at some of the things, like uh, nerfs that have happened. You look at the worthy cause points change. It's like now mm-hmm. you're suddenly right back to kind of where you mm-hmm. were uh, mm-hmm. before that. You know, in terms mm-hmm. of CP. Like so, if you if you were That's used to point. playing that way, and now you've yeah. gotten used to the one deficit, you're doing that as if it was like pre-nerf almost. Uh, right. It's like just. I don't know, so spicy. And like you were saying, like for me, it always feels as though some of the biggest tactical swings in the games come from CP. Um, some kind of tactic. You leverage this thing here, and it's like, oh, wow, boom, that, that now created this thing. It's like when there's parity on the board, this is what lets you kind of battering ram through something. Or when you're, oh, no, I'm about to get messed up, this is how you clean up. You know, this is something I've always done with Tau with like recon sweep or something like that. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just like, oh, I can just. Mm-hmm. you know do it again and i'd just say do, be very cautious about throwing that on a cp reroll or something listeners you know, <laughs> really think about how you're going to use this because yeah this this could be one of the biggest changes for you yeah. uh as as we move forward into this that might help balance out the fact that you lost taking all three fa- uh, faction tag ops could be yeah might we'll be see. enough might be enough yeah so like, um yeah maybe that was what was needed when you know you had the ability to stack the three but now you know with the foresight they had they're like oh they're gonna lose a step there but we give them back a little bit of this here maybe interesting yeah so um just i don't want to ignore it but just to touch on the setup styles most tournaments Mm -hmm. will probably use organized where the to will choose the mission and pair it Mm -hmm. with objectives whether they do that randomly or whether they deliberately choose mission and the objective layout 
that that's probably what's going to happen for two reasons. Number one, it's deliberate. So you can make sure that you have something that you deem is appropriate for the terrain that you're setting up. Number two, logistically, um, you want to make sure that um, games are set up for that first match before players start playing. And then usually games get turned over mid, uh, um, like at the lunch break or during a break for new setups, new maps and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So um, that that's the one thing that I would say is probably you're going to see a lot of organized, but um, they're all kind of fun. Bet um, seems very interesting. Veto seems very interesting. I think those I would be really fun for just casual games or narrative games, but I don't think um, you'll see too many of those coming up in um, tournament organized play. I agree. And and here's the thing, guys. Um, we talked earlier about missions and the uh, differing power levels that came in the core rulebook. What we saw last edition was that narrative players played the competitive stuff because some of the elements that are introduced for narrative and mission design can kind of be feel badsy. So once we've now taken it and gotten to this point of things being, you know, a a standard kind of game that you can come into, now all of a sudden you get to mess with some of this flavor, you know what I mean, and not necessarily have the drawbacks of the mission itself coming and getting you. Yeah, Yeah, you you pretty much know who's going to win an ambush mission from the narrative uh, missions, right? right? Um, so, uh, and, you're and surrounded. Speak... Deploy all around yeah. these guys. You yeah. get one box in the center, and yeah, yeah. or but, run your guy um, off the board. Only one has to do that. If they can't do that, the other guy wins. It's like, oh, mm, ah, yeah. not. Yeah. But uh, I could speak to the fact that um, our campaigns, we we mm-hmm. played the mission packs out of the tournaments. That's that's what yeah. we did for our campaigns and our narrative missions, and then we just put a narrative spin to it if we wanted to flavor it up a bit. A, a bit. Well, you you could put like protect the bastion or something like that you can you can add your own flavor as part of your your campaign if you want to but using these missions and these layouts as a core i think is a good way to start before and i think that that's part of the beauty of this like bid system or random or exactly or you know what i mean it's like okay now you've got a sane mission structure let's introduce an element of fun through how you're picking Mm -hmm. your tac ops or Uh how the mission is selected and it'll be a good mission there'll be good tac ops but you know, it, it's now we're introducing some of that stuff into it. And speaking of the alternate tack off selection, that's another part of the the setup styles thing. The little uh, fold up. I think pure random is the chaos that I'm going <laughs> to enjoy the most. So pure random is you literally take all of the tack offs. Yeah. You shuffle all the tack offs. Doesn't matter what your archetype is. You're not limited to one. You shuffle all the tack offs, and then you do the draw two, choose one, draw two, choose one, draw two, choose one, and that's what you're stuck with. And it could be beautiful or a disaster, but I think that's that's how I want to play my fun casual beer hammer games with Alex. Yeah. I think that that that's that that brings such like a chaotic joy to my heart. I, I can't I can't speak enough about it. But um, let's talk about the missions because uh, sure. What once we go over the missions and how those are structured now, a lot of what we've been saying about that change from last edition to the nova pack it's all going to make sense because what happened last edition it was like all these crazy scoring things your team breaks you lose it was simplified and that's what's happened here you have three missions and they're parallels to three of the best missions from the core book the first one's called loot yeah no surprise what's that what that's a parallel to but absolutely it's just a simpler loot and salvage Mm -hmm. you 
have to be in control of the objective, not within one inch. How many times would you play with someone and be yes. like, oh, no, I have to be within one inch. Or I I'd, I'd be the one being reminded sometimes, right? Like, no, 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 that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, man. You know what I mean? Like, yes, you are correct. I'm on the two-inch line, not the one-inch line. I can score this objective right now. Yes. You know? So I, I, I like that they this. simplified it. Yeah. Yes. They just made it. It's like, okay, everything else is pretty much one, uh, two inches. You just need a control to do it. So mm-hmm. let's just make everything the same. I think that was a wise choice. What yeah, do you think about secure? Um, secure. So mission B. Yeah, this one's cool. It's it's basically another one AP mission action uh, that you mm-hmm. can perform. An operative can perform this action while it controls an objective marker. Again, yep. no distinction about one inch, two inches. Until yep. the enemy kill team secures that objective marker, that objective marker is secured by your t- kill team. Yep. So it's a tag, that... but yeah, yeah, but you it's you a tag, but you have to it. spend to do it. It's um, domination, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, straight up domination. And then the last one, capture, that's seize ground. It's yep. you control it at the end of the turning point if you're on it, but you don't have to spend an AP for it. And those are my honestly my three favorite competitive missions. So Same. I I I have no problems with the fact that these are the three that they that they chose to make um the uh the core missions for the competitive pack. Because those are the ones I would have chosen. Honestly. Yep. Honestly. Um, it, it, that's it. And, and the beauty of these is, like we said, it's no longer tied to a map. You've got now mm-hmm. nine maps that's terrain agnostic. You can still set your terrain up however you want, but it's, it can completely change the way that some of these feel. You know, because and, like loot and salvage was always such a thing about, oh, I need to be to the left of this board and blah, blah, blah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. was pre-planned on that. Exactly. Um, yeah. But now uh, it's And totally one different. thing, one thing to mention about secure and capture, we kind of glazed over it, but it's non-variable point scoring, right? So loot and salvage was always one point to loot. Mm-hmm. Here, um, you secure it, you get a VP. You capture it, you get a VP. It's not like two on your opponent's side, you have two, you have more, like yes. all this kind of stuff. It's just each point is a VP. You mm-hmm. still are held to four maximum per turning point, but each point is a VP. That's such a smarter way to do it because I, I've spent like minutes at the end of a turning point, trying to do that math sometimes. Your brain is fried. It's the middle of a tournament day. And you're like, wait, so hang on. Let me get the book. Yeah, that one's two points. Wait, no. Do I have two? I have more? Wait, wait, no. You have. We have both have two? I have three. You have one? What does yes. that mean? Like, I, I hated that. I hated yes, that. It, it led to some very interesting tactical decisions, which we're going to lose, right? Mm-hmm. Some points being more important than others. I think that's yes. cool. We lose that. That's the downside to this. The upside is the game is a much more straightforward, much more new player friendly, which I'm always going to be a fan of. Mm-hmm. But also on that tournament day, when your brain, brain is fried from re- remembering all your stuff, remembering all your opponent's stuff, all that kind of stuff, um, the missions are at least not going to fight you back. Right. Yeah, it's it's such a beautiful thing. And I mean, this is another thing that we noticed last edition was that the tournament pack was how you taught people. Like it was simpler, mm-hmm. straightforward, you know what I mean? And this is kind of the same mm-hmm. way. It's like, this is going to be very easy to teach people compared to what it used to be of like, like you were saying, variable missions. Well, actually, if you hold these back to, it's worth two. If you hold the center, it's worth two right. or whatever. If you hold this one, it's one. It's hard to get that through. And then it's like, okay, great, fun game. Let's re-rack. And <laughs> it's completely different now. You know, you got to right. relearn this game now. And so that's gone. And so, yes, even mm. though we may be losing a bit of tactical nuance there, we may actually see some come up because of 
understanding the mission, right? Understanding right. what you have to do to win and, and having a clear, straightforward plan. So very happy. So there's nine maps to choose from, to random draw from, whatever you want to do. Um, they're just drop zones and objective layout. That's all the maps are. There's no no terrain. And I think that's smart. There's so many different terrains out there, whether you're using official GW stuff, whether you're using, um, whether you're using um, MDF stuff, whether you're using... I think the Warcom article even says you can use egg cartons and little boxes and Coke cans and stuff like that. They even reference poor hammer. I, th I thought that was cheeky, but <laughs> um, there's way too many terrain types out there for them to actually put suggested terrain layouts. And um, I, I think it's better that uh, TOs don't have that restriction of what they're saying they should do. Because not all TOs are going to have access to the same stuff. So I, I think that's better. I think it's up to the TOs to make their own terrain setups. Um, the the terrain, the, the maps come with a key. And there's some important stuff to point out on this key. Territory and drop zone are different. Yes. I remember when the original Warcom article came out. I think it was on Monday or Tuesday after the teaser from Sunday about this. And people were looking at something. I think it was hold them back. I think it was um, that ploy, hold them, uh, that tech up, hold them back. And it was like, oh my goodness, it just got easier because it, it used to be a distance from your drop zone and for hold the line. And now it's, they misread that as territory is drop zone, different. Territory yeah. is just your half of the board. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. Midline, your half. So things that, um, so, and then drop zone is literally where you deploy. Um, yeah. That's an important thing to point out. Um, that's really it. everything else is pretty self-explanatory. It's very similar to what we saw in the books. They're just um, a lot. Some of them might look similar to what we've seen. Some of them are completely different. Some of them are asymmetrical, like a lot more pushed to like the left side or the right side, depending on where you're deploying, um, which I think is neat. I think it's neat. And it, it, it allows for you to play very different games on very similar terrain layouts, which is something that's um, cool for um, TOs to explore with as well. Agreed. Love it. You want to talk about archetypes? Uh, I do. I do. I've talked. I've talked a lot. I've talked a lot. You take the first one. What's your favorite one? Mm. I mean, seek. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the seek and destroy analog is mm -hmm. is just so straightforward and friendly. Mm -hmm. You know, and and there's a lot of familiar faces here. Route, Robin Ransack. Yep. You know, Headhunter. Just like mm -hmm. little, little little changes tweaks. here. Yeah. My and, favorite, uh, one of my favorite things in this entire deck is actually a Seek and Destroy um, tack off. It's Eliminate Guards. I love, uh, I love yeah. that tack, uh, that tack off. So um, you choose an objective marker. So you, you reveal this at any turning point. Mm -hmm. Once you do, at the end of each target reveal step, so right before firefight phase, you select an objective marker on the center line or within circle or two inches of it to um, to um, be the guard. Uh, so you pick an objective, um, you select a operative, that's the guard of that objective. Yes. That's on that. Sorry, I'm, I'm butchering. I'm just too excited. Yeah. No, you basically. It, yeah, yeah. It's, that's the thing with new tack ops. You're like, but yeah. it's yeah. like hard for a second, you know? But yes. Yeah. Uh, but you basically select an objective. Select an, an enemy on that objective. That's a guard of that objective. That's your target. You take them out of action, you get a VP. 
Next turning point, you choose a new target. I think that's so cool because you're not, li- yeah. you're, you, it's on the center line. So it's not someone that's buried. You're choosing. It's not your player, your opponent's agency, which some of these select target ones could been, have been in the past. And um, you could choose someone with one wound. That's the guard, <laughs> right? Spicy. Like you, you could game into it or you could just choose someone who you need to kill for other reasons. Like mm-hmm. they're a threat to you. So you're going to have to get them anyway. Now let me get an extra VP from getting them out of here, right? Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I uh, I think it's great for elite teams and elites in that elite role against a horde. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to to help you get those four kills and stay relevant. You know, in turn one and then again in turn two. Uh, yeah. on, stay relevant on uh, point spreads as you're kind of foregoing some some primaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'll choose my favorite one, which is infiltration. Okay. I pretty much only used infiltration for this entire first chunk of over a year now of kill team 2021 um maybe once or twice i use a faction tack up but i just love infiltration a lot um part of that is because of the easy points that i would get with interlope and the commando grunt Mm. that is gone that's okay with me right yeah um i would do it because it was there right right um, and when we have free choice, like the tournaments that we play, I'm not going to have to deal into it. I know I'm going to get it right. Yes. Um, I'm glad it's gone because I have so many other ideas of things I like to do with the commando grot that I would do in fun, casual games that I wouldn't want to do because I'm risking two VP to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, this guy can do other things, uh, like, um, where is it? install device where you just have to zip to no man's land where no one's paying attention to an objective anymore, control it and then plunk a little device down. Or he can do gather surveillance where he's zipping to an empty spot of the board on the other side that um, he could just stand there and gather surveillance, get a VP. And at least if they're going to take away interlope, they did not take away implant implants still there. I'm very happy. I get a lot of mileage out of implant, especially in fights where I know I'm going to lose in melee. Mm-hmm. I know they're going to come try and punch me. I can at least get a VP every time they try to punch me, right? Yeah. Um, I'm glad to see it for whenever we get our uh, Tyranid expansion. You know, as we, as <laughs> we get, I'm going to have them, you know, infect somebody. And yeah. Yeah. And then another thing that um, I find hilarious that I plan to do uh, judiciously with my Commando Grot is stock target. Um, you just have to be mm. close to an enemy and you have to have a conceal order and mm-hmm. you get a vp um i just like the idea of my snarling little commando grot zipping from downtown to be within three inches of a guy and he's just like hiding around the corner like, Aha, I see you. yeah uh, that that makes me happy deep down so um yeah a, a lot of good changes to infiltration and i'm happy to see the easy vp go yeah it's funny because like some of the things that i really liked like uh vantage for my tau got i feel a little bit easier because now oh it's yeah like, it's not so going to take an action point to get we're it. shifting to uh recon now yeah yeah well i was just yeah. saying my you know some things that i really like uh oh is, no absolutely i have a lot to say about easier, recon too you know? yeah 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 it's, it's like yeah yeah well what's really lovely about recon that that you you swing us over to that is there were some teams who didn't have good attack ops. They didn't have great archetypes. And Recon was their best, and they struggled to get VP with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Alex would always complain about how he did not have a good time with his TAC Ops. And that's why his whole mission is to compress points because he knows he's not going to be able to outrun and outscore because he's going to have difficulty with recon. They did a lot, a lot of work to recon, excuse me. And Vantage was one of them that stood out to me as well. So it, it's, it's funny that that stood out to you. It's simpler yeah. and it's achievable. Um, makes your guys a little bit better at doing it because you already had the tools to get up there and score Vantage easily. Yep. Um, now super easy. You don't have to spend AP for it. You yeah, it frees up. Exist. Uh, yeah, exactly. Frees up a thing. It was kind of interesting because um, I have had a couple games of this where uh, the thing about it is, is like even though I used to have to pay to do it, it was secured at that point. Now it's like, oh, they got a whole turn to try and get me off here, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's that's yeah. kind of scary, but yeah. Oh, that that's a good point. That's a good point. You have to be up there. You have to exist, but you can't just yeet up there and then okay, I got my VP. Do whatever you need to do right mm-hmm. yeah that that's fair that's yeah because one of the things was like jump tag jump and now it's yes. like mm, now no, i gotta kind of be brave sit <laughs> up here for a minute yeah um so that leaves security um this was more often than not one of the more powerful um or easier to score especially for elite teams um this and seeking to score but more so more so this one um didn't see too many changes one tack op that's gone is damage limitation. And I like that. It wasn't a very interactive tack op and um, was an auto take for a lot. Uh, a lot of factions that were just super durable. So I'm, I'm happy to see that go. Central control still here. And there's one thing, one thing when I saw these, I initially had a thought and I said, ooh, I should warn people about this. You have central control and secure center line. Mm. These seem like they stack extremely well right Mm -hmm. and they do but if you're clustering in the center your opponent might say okay i'll give you central control but i'm going to deny you secure central line by balling up on the flanks and you're not going to be able to get to me and take me off of that so i'm denying you two vp and maybe if i think that that's the plan that you're going to have i'm choosing tack ops or i'm choosing deployments I'm, I'm i'm making a decision where that benefits me so be careful yeah. of seeing a synergy here there is but be wary that they can cancel that by being in no man's land on the flanks especially if you have long board deployment on on uh, some of these uh things like sector and center if you add on to that like looking at the rest of them they've changed a lot i think in a better way um they got rid of the banner plant banner and instead, it's escort operative. I think that's the best mm. parallel. Yeah, it's escort operative is a new plant banner. Um, you score it in two phases, depending on how close you get. But there's no pickup anymore, right? Ooh. So things that used to not be able to be the operative that you select because they can't pick up, you okay. can now select. So that's an interesting change with security that I wanted to point out to folks um and then the rest of them are pretty pretty close to what what you um what you have hold them back i already talked about um be careful thinking that it's better it's actually worse now um depending on your deployment because it's um they have to be out of your territory not um not within six inches of your dz which is what hold the line was 
So be careful on that interpretation because I saw a couple of mistakes online floating around about that after the preview. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, Chris, these are fun. I'm excited. This is... I'm going to play a game this weekend. Um, a sad hammer game because I can't show this to anyone yet. And <laughs> um, it's going to be real fun. Yeah, as Kill Team 2022 moves into 2023, I mean, it's cool to get this at the end of the year and we're starting now, you know, so think of, think, think of things like LBO, uh, stuff like that. Like the entire next season is this different world that we're moving oh into. Oh my God. Super Poor exciting. TOs. Poor TOs yeah. in the January uh, tournaments, right? I think mm-hmm. Dakota has a tournament, yeah, on the 17th, right when this releases. And, oh man, I, I hope he just says, yeah, whatever, we're using it. Go buy yeah. one from the store, let's do it. Um, that would be funny, but definitely at LVO, he's going to, I hope he hasn't printed his packets yet <laughs> because yeah. he's going to have to reprint them because, um, the, yeah, this is going to be in the new way. And when we look at data, um, of seeing, especially if before the end of the year, we get a new data slate, or if it comes just before LVO or something like that, who knows when the next data slate's coming, but, um, However we parse the data for tournament standings, I think the first few weeks after this comes out, we'd be very hesitant to draw any conclusions from um, win percentages and stuff like that. I think the dust needs to settle on this and people need to get used to how to run their teams in this new environment because it's similar. It's similar, but it's like going from Converse to Vance. They're both the quintessential black tennis shoe, right? But... (laughs) They feel a little different. So you need to break in the new shoe and get used to that feel first. Um, that is the most Californian reference I think I could ever make. And I think you should uh, save me from making any more and uh, take us out, Chris. And on that note, we thank you so much for watching. I am Chris. Some people know me as Bearnet. Thanks so much again to our sponsors, uh, Pop Goes the Monkey and Frontline Gaming for making all this possible and to GW for the product uh, early to review. And I've been Emmanuel. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at eman.paints, and you can find me and my buddy Alex on Strategic Advantage on YouTube and maybe somewhere else soon. Stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Kill Zone Podcast. Your home for real talk for competitive kill team. Brought to you by the Frontline Gaming Network. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.